Good morning. This is Paula Grand Kristen. You're tuned into Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. Thanks so much for joining us for the show that celebrates all things creating and stories. And we are going to tune our imaginations together. I'm so excited about this show. You know, when you're making art, sometimes you ponder finding the universality in the piece. What is that human connection I want to make with my audience? What experience have I had that I want to share and explore with others? You want your piece to speak to someone out there. Some of it is that you want to not feel alone, and you might also want to share with others what this moment or experience is for you. You are a translator of human life, and the search is for the truth in the matter, the heart that touches another soul. We are always longing for human connection. And one thing that I find fascinating in a piece of artistic work is that when it finds staying power and holds relevance to our world, some pieces just have that something that makes it become a part of our culture and others get lost over time. And I wonder, well, why is that that some pieces have that ability and others do not? And I think as I get older, I think about and I find that idea of those pieces that carry on through time are more miraculous, more marvelous, and it's such a, such an amazing thing. And I feel that through these pieces, we are peeking into the human spirit that travels across time. These artistic works show us patterns in life experiences. Stories and art can succeed in showing us who we are and what connects us. And some of those ways of living and being and coexisting create these starry and wondrous lifelines that reveal what we carry forward. And other works of art show us discoveries and practices that invite deeper exploration and reimagining. And that is what is amazing about engaging with the arts. I love asking these questions and exploring these ideas with you on Artsany Radio. And today I get to feature one of my favorite theater works, and that play that has remained relevant over the generations. It is Ibsen's play, A Doll's House. I hope that you know Nora and Torvald and the story of their marriage and their family. This play first appeared on stage in 1872. That's over 150 years ago. And I think this fact is what drew me into exploring this work. How could this play from so long ago reveal elements of our world in the 2000s? How could I connect to this story and find it so entertaining and relevant? The play A Doll's House explores the marriage contract, the legal system, gender roles, the value of preserving your reputation, morality, feminism, and most importantly, humanism. And there's so much to talk about in this play, and I'm so thrilled that the Northfield Arts Guild is putting on a play that we're going to talk about today, and we're going to take a deeper dive into this. This is called Playing in Ibsen's Dollhouse, and I'm incredibly curious to learn all about this play on Arts Annie Radio. So I want to welcome to the studio my guest today. I'm going to pop up the mics. Boy, we have a sunshine today that is right uh, right on us. We've got the spotlight on us today. So if we need to drop the, if you want me to drop the curtain, we can, we can do that um, if, it, if it bothers you. We are here today with Mark Robinson, Rolf Craigseth, and Lily Schuler from the Arts Guild production of Playing in Ibsen's Dollhouse. And it opens up on March 3rd, but we wanted to get it on the air early so that you could make sure to get tickets. I don't want you to miss this show. So welcome to Arts Any Radio. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe introduce our listeners to some of your theater experiences and anything you want to share to get our audience to know you about your world. And uh, we'll get this conversation started. Mark, let's start with you. Okay. I'm Mark Robinson. I'm a professor of Russian language and literature up at St. Olaf College. And my area of research is contemporary Russian theater, and uh, so I've seen a lot of interesting things there, so I try to incorporate some of that into my productions here at the Northfield Arts Guild. I'm also on the Arts Guild Theater Board, and so uh, we were working together to choose the season and uh, wanted to kind of forefront women this year and women's stories, and so this play ended up coming up as one of those that we wanted to do. I've done a number of plays at uh, the Guild. I used to act, now I mostly direct. Um, and I've done Cabaret and Dracula, Death of a Salesman, Odyssey, and most recently Lend Me a Tenor just before COVID. And so that's my mm. 
first post-COVID foray into directing. Wonderful. It's so great to have you here and to have you share this story of this play. I just, I'm, again, so excited. We've got, uh, Lily, let's hear a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Lily Schuler, and I actually just moved to the Northfield area in May of last year. So I'm welcome. Very, thank you. I'm loving it so far. Um, so I'm fairly new. Um, I did theater throughout high school and then I did theater at Winona State University. I minored in it. So I've been in a lot of different productions, um, but I graduated in 2014 and haven't been in a production since. And um, I've been really itching to get back into the theater world. And so I'm really grateful for this opportunity and especially with this production and to take this deep dive into this um, really, really complex character. It is. There's so much to learn about Nora, so Mm -hmm. we'll get into that in a minute. Rolf, let's hear Mm -hmm. a little bit about your story. Yeah, uh, my name is Rolf Craigseth, and uh, yeah, I work up in Lakeville. I'm an engineer Hmm. at um, Dispatch Industries, and um, um, I've lived in Northfield for about 15 years, and uh, um, you know... I'm going to have you use uh, that mic, because something's going on, and it's not working, so... Well, I'll say it again. Yeah, let's try that again. I'm not sure why. All the buttons are up and on, but the sound was not going through, so there might be something unplugged over there. All right. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm Rolf Craigseth. I work at Dispatch Industries. I'm an engineer. Uh, This is up in Lakeville. We make industrial ovens, so... um, uh, my day at work is a day of uh, of how it's made, and that's uh, kind of a fun place. Mm-hmm. But um, um, I've lived in Northfield about 15 years, and um, uh, since about 2005. And um, you know, I'm kind of an unlikely person to be involved in the theater. I think, but uh, I, I found my tribe, and <laughs> um, and so I like to get involved in uh, just about uh, every aspect of uh, of the arts here. Um, I am on the Northfield Arts Guild board and in my, in my sixth and last year on that board. So, um, I get involved in a whole lot of things. Well, welcome. It's such a thrill. I, th- I think you've been on before, but I have not been on your show. Oh, no, well, this is I, all I know your me. name. You're in a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a delight to have you here. I'm sorry about the mic thing. We'll figure it out as we go. That's what happens, right? You just yeah. got to keep rolling. You know that from theater. The show must go on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, Ibsen's A Dollhouse, right? And, and maybe how you first got connected to it, what you know about the play, and what interests you about this particular production. We're going to end with Mark because he's going to tell us what's happening. So, Ralph, what was your experience before uh, doing this uh, production with Ibsen's A Dollhouse House? Well, you know, I'm... I, I'm I'm no Ibsen scholar. I'll say that. Um, um, mostly, um, I, I like all things Norwegian. This <laughs> is a good Norwegian play, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this is, uh, you know, arguably his most famous play, and uh, and it's and it's a great uh, it, it's a great story. One thing I like about being in a cast is that you know by going through it over and over again in rehearsals, you just get such a greater depth of understanding of what's going on in the show mm-hmm. than if you just see it one time that you're right you get to explore it in so many different ways and and this will be an interesting experience for our listeners too because this isn't our traditional production but i i do think i can't remember the first time that i saw it or got connected to to it but it, it hooked me right from the the start and i've just been kind of you know, reading and exploring, and it's such a. There's so mu- many elements to it, and I'm still always enthralled at how something from, you know, the 18th cent, you know, 19th century can can be relevant to today, and that is an amazing piece. And so, um, I'm thrilled that you're you're here to present uh, this this particular production. And how about for for you? Uh, did you have any Lily any uh, connections to this production, or why you wanted to, to try out for this particular show? Uh, I remember in college seeing some Nora monologues and things like that. I actually hadn't read the play, and so when I saw that this um, auditions were posted for this show, I decided to read it before I auditioned, and just um, pretty similar to you, was shocked at how um, engaging it was and how much I kind of resonated with um, a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> of it mm-hmm. um, and how it's still prevalent today. That That's what really got me, and so... I decided to take the plunge and audition, and just like Rolf said, being able to just 
each rehearsal, it's almost like peeling back another layer of the characters, you know, and just learning more and more um, why they're saying the things that they're saying, why they're doing the things that they're doing. And um, yeah, it's been fascinating. It is. And so, Mark, we should probably tell our listeners, you know, some some may not be familiar with the traditional production, so the storyline of that. So let's start with that and give people a little hint about what is happening in this household with Nora and Torvald. Um, it's a rather uh, intricate plot. Uh, True. <laughs> rereading it, that's what struck me was uh, just how much exposition there has to be at the beginning to find out that uh, Nora and Torvald have been uh, married for eight years, have three kids, and um, a very seemingly happy life. But then... Um, People from Nora's past come in and reveal uh, something, some things she did to try to save her family. And um, there's a lot of, in good 19th century fashion, there's a lot of coincidences and uh, sudden expositions of things throughout. But these uh, new, this new information about. Nora's past and what she's had to do to keep her life happy and safe and secure um, also exposes a lot of flaws in society, both legal and um, personal and uh, gender-based. And that ends up um, really creating some huge fissures within the family. Yeah, and I think one thing I, I um, am fascinated by is how the uh, roles of, of the man and wife in, in the relationship and that immediately you learn that there are money control mm -hmm. issues at the start of the play and that um, Nora's just come back from Christmas shopping and buying things for the kids. This is the first year they've had a little extra to go kind of you know, get some really nice gifts for their kids. And she has these candies that she uh, buys and she hides them. And it's, I love that, that just the way that he did that in the play tells you a lot about what's happening. Right. And she does can't share that she treated herself to these little, little uh, macaroons. I think they are. <laughs> and so it's, it's uh, a really, uh, and that's very relatable to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But this production is not going to be the traditional, the way that we have seen it staged before or seen it in, presented in movies. So I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> so you must share with us, uh, how did you approach this? When you picked this as the play you wanted to direct, what were you thinking? I ask myself that about every day. <laughs> um, when I, I think I, I know I was on the reading committees that we actually put forward this play. And then we were looking for directors, and I reread it. And I thought, I really don't care for the first two acts, but I love the third act. Mm. And um, I like some of the pieces. It's just that I thought there was too much exposition and coincidence and other stuff like that it's yeah, it's very traditional to the time that it yes. was written that yeah, that was an was. expectation of how plays were structured right Three and acts. novels and everything <laughs> else and if you have a novel that's a thousand pages then of course then you can get through that over a little bit more time as you're reading it but in a play it just seems like it's coincidence after coincidence after coincidence and um and we found out that uh the play is in the public domain Okay, because it's over, it's 150 years old. Right, and the early <laughs> translations are are in the public do domain, which means that we could basically do anything we wanted to with it. And um, since my research area is contemporary Russian theater, which has a lot of devised pieces, um, I decided to approach this one kind of from that point of view. And when you say devised pieces, what it means that? the cast and. Uh, director and other people all work together to try to um, create a work based on the framework of the original work. And so what we've done is we've, it's a three-act play, we've kind of made it into a two-act, so the first two two acts are kind of compressed into one longish act, and then the third act is very short. 
but um, we're kind of structuring it like the first act is a rehearsal. And uh, so we get to see the cast grappling with the meaning and dealing with the fact that, okay, how are we going to do some of these things in a way that's relevant to people and talk about it openly? And so we address a lot of the issues people might have with the play directly in the first part, but as it goes on, we gradually become... To, uh, we gradually move to doing the actual play. So by the, the second act or the final act of the original play, uh, what you're going to see is primarily uh, the third act as written. Well, that is fascinating. And I guess that you can play in Ibsen's Dollhouse then. Yeah. <laughs> and so that explains when I saw the list and you told me that uh, Rolf was playing the dramaturg, I was thinking... I don't recall that there was a dramaturg in the original production. So tell us about that character. <laughs> yeah, the dramaturg is uh, is somebody who wishes he was the director, uh, but he's not. <clears throat> and, and for people that don't know that theater term, maybe we should start with with telling them traditionally what is the role of the dramaturg. Yeah, a dramaturg. Uh, well, uh, a dramaturg is somebody who looks at the context and the architecture and the themes and the costumes of the play and tries to integrate them into the uh, into the show, and helps the director understand the, the all the historical aspects of it. Right, and so they're mm -hmm. sort of an uh, you know they rooted in research and uh, information and details so that the play has you know some grounding in in what would have been the the place of the play or the the you know maybe a little bit about the writer or the times mm -hmm. or and so that is your role but it sounds like your drum, your character has <laughs> uh, some ambitions <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's right and this uh, character is the polar opposite of me which it makes it uh, kind of fun to play Sure, right. You want to be something that you're not on stage. <laughs> yes, uh <-huh. laughs> and so how how did it feel when you learned that that's what you were going to be doing in this production was not the, you know, traditional, let's just open with a scene and roll through uh, the lines. Uh, and, and you had to kind of work work with, I assume you all work together then to... Uh, that that sounds like a really amazing theater experience. Um, yeah, it it is. And uh, I also play uh, the Dr. Rank uh, once we get into the the serious part of the of the last act, a uh, dear and confidant of Nora's, is exactly <laughs> yes, and uh, and so that is a very opposite character from the dramaturg, and uh, it it makes it uh, very fun and interesting to um, switch uh, between between the two. Mm -hmm. um, getting into this, I mean my 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 thought when I auditioned was that uh, my name is Craig Seth. There's a character named Krogstad, and I thought <laughs> that should be my character, but I think Mark cast this very well. <laughs> yeah, it is a, it's a wonderful cast. And folks, if you're tuning in, this is Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. We're talking about playing in Ibsen's Dollhouse, which is um, directed by Mark Robinson and opens at the Northfield Arts Guild on March 3rd through the 5th and then March 10th through the 12th. It's Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 and Sundays at 2. Tickets are $20 for adults, $16 for seniors and students. You can get those right now at northfieldartsguild.org. And there's all kinds of details about the production. It's certainly a classic work of theater, but this play uh, goes into the depths of the play and gives us a little more contemporary spin on what's happening. And uh, one of the pieces we haven't talked about is that this is sometimes considered one of the first modern feminist works. And uh, that this is, you know, kind of... And there's been debate and there's been talk because Nora, in the end, makes a choice that has resonated around the world. And so I want to talk to you, Lily, about playing the character of Nora and um, how that has uh, been for you to explore, you know, from this framework where you're looking at it kind of in a new way. You're presenting it in a, a really original way. Yeah. Um, well, in the first kind of uh, part of the show, multiple women talk about why they want to play Nora. You know, I want to play Nora to show that women have been traditionally subjugated by the men and things like that. Um, and so it is interesting, like you said, that that's still so prevalent, why so many, you know, women might want to play this character because they see current events and what's going on and that it's still, um, 
you know, women fighting to be seen as humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of consider it an honor to play this role um, and a very challenging (laughs) role to play Mm -hmm. Um, at the end, especially now that we're working more and more into the the second act um, to get into those such heavy themes and that choice that you described that she has to make. It just, um, it keeps getting more difficult just as you understand the circumstances more and delve more into her and how she is as a person. But from playing in the beginning as almost this childlike image of this perfect wife to, you know, what happens at the end, it's um, exhausting, but in a very um, beautiful way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you think you've had uh, new insights into her character or new access points that you, you know, after you first read the play, you didn't didn't know what what are you how are you connecting to her um in the uh auditions even I was like I don't I don't like Nora (laughs) um after reading the play I mean I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old at home and um we have a third on the way in July and I'm just you know some of the choices I was just what no what how how could that happen (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then as I um continued to um, especially with her husband Torvald, the, we've talked about this many rehearsals. But the more we hear him speak, and the more we read into what he's saying, we're like, "Wow, that's not healthy." <laughs> <laughs> um, so you just, yeah, I'm definitely now just like, "Wow, Nora is clever. She's doing what she has to do to survive. She is n- doing what she knows." Um, and so. It's definitely, I honestly would say each rehearsal, I understand her a little bit more um, than especially her circumstances. Yeah, her complexity and the fact that that has um, carried through and remains resonant is, is, I think, and Sparks' conversation is really a fascinating piece of, of this play. Mark, did you get do any reading or learn a little bit more about this, the story behind the play, behind Ibsen's writing it, or anything you want to can share with us about what you've gleaned from uh, trying to understand? Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of, since the, the play has been around for so long, Uh, People have had an opportunity to do a ton of research on Ibsen and the circumstances surrounding it. And some of the things that I found uh, most annoying, such (laughs) as uh, Nora and Torvald, uh, Torvald especially referring to Nora as his Skylark and Squirrel all the time, I just found very uh, grating. Uh, (laughs) But then as you read more uh, about it, uh, you find that Ibsen had a kind of a protege, and he referred to her as his Skylark and other things. So there's a lot of this background. Some of the background information we've been able to incorporate into our play. And so in some ways, I think an audience member listening to uh, watching our production will come away with some more information about Ibsen in the background than somebody watching a traditional production would because there's no footnotes or anything that you can talk about. And, um, yeah, so uh, what's been amazing to me is the degree to which this 150-year-old play and 100-year-old translation that we're using... um, that we based ours kind of on um, the way that they still have a lot of things that we may characterize in different ways, uh, like mansplaining. I think <laughs> it has been astounding to everybody in the cast, the degree to which uh, Torvald especially, but other people kind of mansplain everything to the women throughout, especially to Nora throughout the whole show and it's like wow this is still so relevant and still going on so right yeah exactly that's that's what's you know i think each time i look at it i pick up a different angle or a different Mm -hmm. piece you know i was looking at it yesterday and thinking about the you know legal structures and how you know the way that that the marriage rules about properties and money management and you know even even thinking about uh, my I think my grandmother maybe even my mom wasn't allowed to have a credit card in her name right. but had to have a credit card in you know her husband's name and how 
it just you know that was very recent and yeah, so 70s, I think. <laughs> exactly and so you know there's a there is a lot of relevance that um, and a lot of issues that we have not worked through <laughs> right so we've decided to actually not pin down when the play takes place oh. so we're kind of setting it in a broad American setting instead of doing it in Norway mm-hmm. um, so uh, and so we have a character of uh, a director who expresses some of my ideas, but <laughs> not all of them at all. And um, I purposefully cast a woman in that role because I think that's really important. And so, um, and then we had um, a lot of the other sections um, pertaining to the dramaturg and the director and the costumer, and all of those uh, were composites that were written by the cast and ensemble as we were working through this. What an amazing experience. I think uh, that would have been, a, a, I would have loved to have had those videotaped as you were <laughs> even just bringing those ideas forth and trying to figure out, because those discussions must have been like a really intense graduate school class or something, <laughs> I would imagine. What do people need to know, Ralph, um, about just, I, I'm thinking of, of the, the play in general, right, and the the if there's somebody who isn't familiar with this this work or those characters uh, going into it, will they need to be knowledgeable or what? How do you teach them to enter the play when you're you're kind of mixing it all up? Oh, I I, I think uh, I think Mark is the mad genius, um, and and I Emphasis think that on mad <laughs> yes, and and I think that uh, the way he structured the first half of the play. Um, um, really makes it a lot more accessible for everybody. So, and, so people don't have to have any knowledge or experience with it, and it may be their first introduction to a doll's house and, yeah, I, and playing I, in Ibsen's doll's house. Yes, yes, I, I uh, very much feel that way. Well, let's let's um, talk about the other characters in the play. So, you met, we've already mentioned that there was a dramaturg who is not, and the director who is not in the original. What are some of the other uh, roles, and how did you? Uh, decide are there characters from the original play that got taken out or uh, how did you decide what to include and what not to include there are a number of uh, servants and kind of people who um, yeah, because I think you in the the description mm-hmm. there was a, a an ensemble. Was that the word that that was? No, uh, yeah, the ensemble yeah. is what it's described mm-hmm. as. Right. So we kind of divvied up a lot. Of, we kind of consolidated some of those roles and divvied them up. And since it's kind of a rehearsal, um, we kind of say, okay, this actor isn't here today, so could you? <laughs> Uh, fill in for this role for right here and uh so we um play with that you know Mm -hmm. throughout um instead of having one person who's going to be playing the porter who comes in at the very beginning to bring in the (laughs) (laughs) the presence and then never makes an appearance again uh so um yeah so we uh did that the actual kind of nuclear family of the piece is uh, six people, I think, or maybe maybe only five. It's, of course, the Helmers, which is Nora and Torvald, mm-hmm. Doctor Rank, uh, Christine, which is um, a friend of Nora's. a friend of Nora's mm-hmm. from childhood, and then uh, Nils Krogstad, who. Uh, Krogstad. Krogstad, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So you got him mixed up. This is not the first time. (laughs) Who works at the bank where Torvald works and has a connection as well. Right. So uh, those are the main characters, and then there's like a nanny and others. Uh, There were children who uh, make an appearance once and never really say anything, Mm -hmm. and so uh, we don't technically have them in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about how you, um, I, I'd love to hear from, from you, Lily, about how you make a rehearsal, and, and so then, and, and as you're kind of inventing this, how are you getting your scripts together, and how are you making it seem <laughs> like this is, you know, both a <laughs> rehearsal that's supposed to be spontaneous, and actually something that you're going to do every night the same way? <laughs> Um, I think I'll refer back to the mad genius um, <laughs> concept is that he has done it in a way that is very um, 
smooth and easy to understand and even write some things like I'll, I'll be playing the character Nora and then I'll break character and go to the director and say, hey, I don't understand why, you know, she's she's saying it this way. Or So you have even a harder role than trying to be both a character in a play and a person playing a character in the play yeah. <laughs> and, and then knowing and, and cluing into the audience when you're doing those breaks yep and there's a few um people who do similar things i would say rolf is is very similar where he'll walk off stage as a dramaturg come right back on as rank and so it's kind of <laughs> it, it's fun and challenging for all of us as as uh, actors um I think that's going to be really wonderful to see. And how much of it had you thought out prior in advance? Um, I had a few things I wanted to do, but I really wanted it to be kind of born out of the ensemble talking and working. So we first met in December, I think, uh, for a couple times, and then early on in January, and then we would go right and then come bring back <laughs> The rewrites every day uh, and uh, finally settled on well we're still making occasional uh, very tiny uh, changes right now but not very many wow what a great process that I, I'm just amazed that you're able to do that what were some of the conversations then uh, Ralph I'll start, I'll start with you of when you were looking at this so now that you don't have the framework of the traditional you know, here's our, I have to memorize these lines. I have mm -hmm. to, you know, think of, of these blocking and, you know, this uh, this relationship in the play. You get to, you're thinking maybe outside of that. Uh, how did you uh, sort of figure out what were the things that you wanted to amplify in, in this play? Well, um, I, I think that the first act becomes much more free. And so it's come and go sort of as you please. And, and then the challenge becomes, okay, how do you come and go uh, without, without affecting the, the actual parts of the play that are going on elsewhere on the stage? And so picking your, picking your spots, you, you sort of have to be deliberate about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so will people see a lot of the same uh, themes that they're going to love in the play at... at in, in this production. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So like Mark said, the first half, um, there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, creative license. Um, the second act is very true to the play and, uh, very emotional. Yeah. And that, that is absolutely true about that, that ending. And so what were some of the conversations, Lily, that you had as a cast in, in, you know, working through what to, you know, make of this and I, I just would imagine that was a fascinating experience absolutely um, especially I think with how much um, Mark involved all of us in the process and you know even some lines you know with women oh gosh that is so creepy you know just <laughs> being able to kind of you know say what we're all kind of feeling and thinking um, and then you know in regards to the lines um, perhaps early on a wee bit stressful not <laughs> with with how changing things were yeah. were doing but i am grateful for that because i you know it's one of the most involved i've ever felt in a production and with a piece um and not just you know playing the character nora but because we had so many of those conversations um you know surrounding how this relates to current day and things like that um so i it was a unique, never really experienced process before, but it, it was, it, it's very powerful. I can imagine, yeah. And one thing I'm thinking about, so it's, it's you know, you're, you're looking at it, I mean, you can't help but look at it through a 21st century lens, right? Because that's where we are, mm -hmm. and we've had these experiences, and we know the, the history to the best of our experiences and, and lived world. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of trying to translate what, my, you know, is going to appeal to a more modern audience. And I was thinking about that as, as I was um, watching, I want to mention to people the my favorite film version of this is Doll's House with Claire Bloom, Anthony Hopkins, and Ralph Richardson. I, I, I assume you've seen this one. I have avoided watching. Oh, you have Andy. avoided. Okay. Yeah, but one thing I did was I, I took out that film version. And then I, I had a couple of different versions of the play and I was amazed at how they did not line up as closely as I thought 
Um, and I, it was hard sometimes to follow because the decisions that the director made, even when they were doing the play as an actual uh, verbatim piece, they, they, you know, maybe arranged the words a little differently or put emphasis in a different spot or didn't, you know, one the one play would have, you know, and the character stands up and walks and that one, this, this movie decided not to do that. And I, I fa- found that fascinating too, that... Um, so when you think about different translations, you mentioned you were using one. That tell me why you picked the one that you did. It was a hundred years ago. Yeah, it's a, it was uh, done by a Scot, so it's oh. uh, it's in a very stilted formal English since it's a hundred years ago. But I found that a lot of the translations are basically pretty stilted. Mm. Um, that. Uh, Ibsen was very particular about his word choices, and so the way he used them, and in the original uh, Norwegian, um, apparently there's a lot of uh, kind of resonance of words being used in the first act or third act, mm. you know, so he, it all harks back, and that's harder to do in, um, in translation anyway, especially if it's on stage and trying to make it real it's it's a very difficult thing because you expect the stage version to be pretty realistic um or else it's very difficult to read lines in a way that are uh that makes sense and we found this that was one of the first things we found as we were going through it that a lot of the lines are just so stilted how can you say them even with a straight face, <laughs> let alone, uh, some, and some of them come across almost as comical now, mm. and um, and so yeah, we can, decided to lean into that instead of uh, well, because yeah, he does have uh, he you know nicknames that they they use with each other. Mm. As you mentioned earlier, squirrel, which is it's yeah. <laughs> an interesting you know word that we wouldn't necessarily use today right. but it's repeated a, a lot and and uh you know he also i think that i had read that um lovely is a, a is that the right word that she uses all the time i, th- I think i've got that right mm-hmm. um yeah. and that he uses little uh-huh. and off you know an awful lot which i'm sure he was intentional on ibsen's part right, right to echo some of those um, and there's doubles all over the place. So it's Nora, Nora, mm-hmm. nonsense, nonsense, um, <laughs> everywhere. Everybody is saying twice as much, twice as many words as they need to because they're re- repetitions. Mm-hmm. But um, they're purposeful in uh, Ibsen, but um, may not be as critical to get into the actual story. So. Yeah, I was surprised at some of the things I learned was that uh, he, a lot of the plays he first wrote, he wrote that were you know meant to be read, not not even mm-hmm. to be produced. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense in mm-hmm. some of these things that would seem okay if you're reading, mm-hmm. but then putting them on a stage seemed clunky or odd. Uh, and so it, what, a, what a great opportunity to, to do this, this play with Ibsen and trying to uh, bring it to a modern audience. What do you think you... you would like uh, or how would you describe the um you know the feeling you want people to have after they they see the show or uh you know have you changed the tone or any of the um you know the the style or how would you know how would you describe what what you've amplified and what you uh want people to experience anyone of you can grab it Go ahead, Rolf. Well, I'm kind of excited, and I I wanted to give a a shout-out to the show sponsor, the Sons of Norway Local Lodge, the the Nordmarka Lodge. Now, which, um, a little fact, is uh, the Norwegian word for for, uh, Northfield, Nordmarka. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. And uh, so they will have an event on the first Sunday, Sunday the 5th, where there will be a talkback. And so... I'm really excited um, to see um, what kind of questions they come up with in that talk back um, to, um, you know, about, about the adaptations that we've made and, uh, about, uh, and about how true we stayed to the show in the second half. Um, um, I know that uh, a lot of the people who will be there will be very interested in an Ibsen play and uh, what we've done with it. 
Now, is that on the Sunday, the first Sunday that you were in production? Yes, that's right. So that is on the 5th. If people are interested in getting tickets, particularly for that one, it'll be after the 2 o'clock matinee? Exactly, yes. Oh, that sounds mm-hmm. like a really great opportunity. Sometimes you do want to, after you see a play, just you know, have a, like stuff is floating around in your mind, and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I wish you know, I could go to, where, where's a place in Northfield I can go get a cup of coffee and a dessert and talk about this with everybody? That's Right, right. <laughs> and, that's, and that's right. Light refreshments will be served. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, and uh, what would you say, uh, Lily, about what you would like people to feel as they, you know, see your production and experience what you are putting on the stage? Uh, empowered was the first word that um, came to mind. Uh, I think there's so much um, pressure, and the 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 idea of the image, like the uh, director in the show says a lot. You know, there's an image of a perfect wife. There's an image of this perfect family. Um, and so I think, um, remembering that before all else, as simple as it may be that, um, women are humans and before wives, before mothers, before the image of the, you know, whatever is projected on them from society. And that is, I mean, it's sad that that is still so uh, relevant today that we need to be, um, you know, telling people Mm -hmm. but I think that it's important and it's necessary and it's it's powerful and it's um yeah yeah and I think that's that's something that I read too that that Ibsen was interested in exploring obviously that dynamic I think he did specifically didn't want to write about nobility wanted to write about actual families and and relationships and that um, he was asked a question, I don't remember the exact quote, but about, you know, how he felt about the, you know, the idea of people seeing this as kind of a feminist play. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he seemed reticent to embrace that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know any more about that, Mark? Um, I've heard the, the same stories that he uh, didn't want it, didn't consider it himself to be a particularly feminist work. Um it's it's a complex work. That's uh, I think the best way to think about it, and hopefully our um, production will maintain that complexity and give people an opportunity to kind of ponder all sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. It was very con- controversial when it came out. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. You have to kind of imagine that, right? In this 1872, when nobody was questioning roles, mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. was thinking that uh, women needed to control money, nobody was thinking that they needed some authority to manage their affairs and to, you know, be, uh, you know, an equal in the marriage. That was not even something that was was brought forward at all. So when he put this i can't even imagine the, the reviews i would love to well it had to be rewritten for germany and the whole ending had to be rewritten because they wouldn't accept it as it was originally staged right and they they changed it in a way that i was not well received also which right. is a very interesting element that that even what they tried to make it softer maybe or yeah. more accepting mm-hmm. or more comfortable the decision that Nora makes at the end uh, but it, people thought, no, 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 we don't like that either. <laughs> and that is, I think, the, why this play has so much staying power is that it does let you at, look, reflect on those questions mm-hmm. and reflect, like, could I do that? Is that is that a good decision? Is that something? Yeah, it's not supposed to be soft or comfortable. <laughs> it's supposed to, you know, <laughs> really yeah. bring up those those uh, those questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what art can do, right? Because, you, you know, it's not, uh, it's an imaginary family, folks. <laughs> and it's something where you, could this happen? Would, how would this feel? It's very interesting as we, you know, took a deep dive into the text that um, the first couple of acts seem very artificial in a lot of ways. But then when we got to the third act, I think it may have been you or somebody else. I think it was you, Rolf, who was saying, wow, these conversations between the husband and wife in this third act just seems so on point of the kinds of deep discussions a couple would have. And yeah, and even today. Yeah. yeah. A couple from today could, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us some more about you know your insights into that. Well, it's, it's just, I mean... Uh, you, you it's. I'm trying to not sound like a creep, but I mean, you you hear Torvald 
and uh, how he treats his wife. And you think, you know, I hope I don't do that. <laughs> yes, right. And, and but but seeing it in a play helps you to say, well, maybe that is a possibility. Yeah. And and I you know I even think of that in terms of not just our domestic relationships, but I this this time, watching it, I had ideas thinking about well how we have you know race conversations in our, in our country right now and how you know some of the structural things that are hard for us to see and how things were set up and maybe those aren't working the way we thought and maybe we should explore this and and yeah. have those all sitting at the table kind of trying to have those dialogues right because that's what it ends right. up is that they have an actual dialogue, and that's what's so frustrating for Nora. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, okay, now we're eight years in, and, mm-hmm. and we're finally having this conversation? Right, and, and that's what art does, mm-hmm. is it makes you think about things in a different way that you couldn't from reading a textbook or something. Right, or mm-hmm. you can't even see in your own life, because right. Right. It, it's so much easier to see it when it's reflected back to you, and that's the power, I think, in it. Mm-hmm. Have, uh, I would imagine as a cast, we should probably give a shout out to uh, the, the group that you yes. have, which is a phenomenal group. In addition to my guests today, uh, we have uh, Ralph Craigseth and Lily Schuler. We have also Birch Carlson, Nick Hager, uh, Mike Manzager, Manzager, uh-huh. Taylor Markle, Ellen Odegaard, Lily, yeah, that's you, t- t- <laughs> Taylor, I'm never, I don't know how to say Taylor, Weslin? Weslin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it's it's a really great cast. It is, and uh, they have all just jumped in with both feet to uh, explore this test, text. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really want people to come in and see this show. It's going to be playing, again, opening March 3rd, but tickets are on sale right now. You can get those online easily, northfieldartsguild.org. You can also go down to the Arts Guild if you want to go check out the gallery or the uh, shop that's there. You can visit their location here on Division Street, which is, oh, did I write down the address? It is... um, 314 Division. Thank you, 314. I couldn't remember the number. (laughs) (laughs) I just know where it is, right? It's that purple door downtown. (laughs) And uh, the the tickets are available for March 3rd, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30. That's so two weekends. And then Sundays, both both weekends have a Sunday matinee at 2 p.m. Tickets $20 for adults, $16 for seniors and students. And it is, I'm just so excited. This will be the first, right, the first time this production has ever been performed because you've invented it yes (laughs) (laughs) and so now is it possible that this play then you perform it will it be something that somebody else could then um you know is how does that work in the play world of of you you create a script and somebody could buy that for another production i have no idea we've been been a little (laughs) focused on getting this one (laughs) um this one is fairly specific to some things in this community, mm. um, and so, uh, n- not the setting or anything of the um, Nora Torvald story, but uh, the ex- externals uh, talk about things going on uh, here in this community. So, not very uh-huh. much, but just mm-hmm. it is. So, there would have to be anybody who decided to do something similar would have to adapt it themselves i think mm-hmm. i think this is exciting because if you can keep things like this in the conversation uh it, it it's really an important part to to make sure that these are open openings that people can continue to explore mm-hmm. and it's incredible and this is playing in ibsen's dollhouse so it will be i can, we can call it world premiere right let's let's mark wasn't thinking of it in those terms (laughs) well you have been described as a mad genius so (laughs) people want to see what the mad genius has created (laughs) Uh, any last words that we should should share with our listeners so they uh, make sure to get their tickets something we've missed about talking about something you're excited about you want them to see uh, I imagine there's uh, curious about the set the stage how you've set it up and costumes and all those details that you haven't quite gotten a run through yet. There's just been um, a few times during the rehearsal process that I'm like, Mark, I am fascinated with what goes on in your brain. (laughs) This is so clever. Like I wouldn't have thought of, you know, any of this. And so I think that's incentive enough to kind of, you know, see 
you know, the art that goes on in an artist's brain and, you know, comes to life. So fabulous. Um, get your tickets now, folks. Ralph, jump oh, in. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, the best plays, uh, when my wife and I go to see a play, the best ones are the ones that we keep talking about. Um, on the way home and after we get home <laughs> and into the night and this is one of those plays that is a really good selling point bring bring your friends so you can do that go Absolutely. out for uh, coffee or a beer and, and sit down and try to uh, you know explore a little further thank you so much for being here playing in Ibsen's house uh, Mark Robinson thank you and thank, thank you, you for making this happen Rolf Kragsev and Lily Schuler, who are a part of that production and we are um, going to if you're wanting to see a play before that one opens, I want to quickly mention two more. One I saw last weekend, and that was the Paradise production of Wrong Window. I have not laughed mm -hmm. out loud as much as I did in that opening of, of that, that, that whole production. It's just phenomenal. It's at the Paradise Center for the Arts. It's directed by um, the fabulous Patrick Brocker. And it has a great cast. It is uh, playing again this weekend, the um, 17th, 18th at 7.30. So get your tickets for that. I, I highly recommend that. And another one this weekend on my show a couple weeks ago, I had the kids from Treasure Island at the Northfield Middle School. And that opens up on the 17th tonight at 7 o'clock. And then t also on Saturday at 7 o'clock. That's only one weekend. Tickets for that one are only $3 for kids, 5 for adults, and a $10 family cap. They were so enthusiastic about the play. I just loved having them on the show. I had uh, <laughs> nine kids. If you want to hear the interview, it's just adorable. So thank you, folks, for listening to Art Zany Radio. I hope you always take time to enjoy your imagination. And, of course, in the meantime, until next time, add some Art Zany to your life.